Hello and welcome to Best of Shows, a weekly conversation about the biggest things happening on the small screen and a guide to what TV is and is not worth your time. I'm Kristen Baldwin, TV critic at Entertainment Weekly, and I'm joined by my fellow EW critic and TV junkie, Darren Franich. Hi, Darren. Hey, Kristen. How's it going? Pretty good. I have new glasses. I'm trying to adjust to them. It's weird. You were saying that your glasses are blue? They're blue. Wow. I decided not to go with the red Sally Jesse Raphael glasses to use a reference <laughs> that will totally age me. Cut to thousands of millennials Googling Sally Jesse Raphael. <laughs> I'm not sure you can hear me typing on my computer Googling <laughs> Sally Jesse Raphael. No, I know I know who she is. Just Thank teasing. You. Just teasing. Thank you. What, what made you go blue uh, out of interest? Or, uh, or was it just that those were the only ones available? They were on sale. And, and uh, they... they don't look terrible. And so, you know, my bar is low. And Kristen, you know what? The shows we're talking about today also don't look terrible. That's Ooh. true. Oh, that was such a good segue, Darren. Thank you. Thank you. I know. Well, I I try. I try. We've had some we've had some dark convos lately, we Kristen. Have, I'm we excited. Have. I, I, I think today it's going to be bright lights and uh, peppy talk. Peppy talk. What's going on? I need more caffeine. <laughs> Well, it's always nice when in the onslaught of TV, there is something that makes us happy to talk about. So let's kick things off with our What's New segment, in which you and I will talk about this week's most notable new and returning show premieres. So our first show we're going to talk about is Life in Pieces. Life in Pieces returns for its fourth season this Thursday, April 18th at 8.30 p.m. on CBS. So if you're asking yourself, what the hell is Life in Pieces? You are not alone. <laughs> the sitcom is consistently the funniest comedy on CBS. Fight me, mom fans. But it's perpetually on the bubble thanks to a lack of support from the network and long gaps between seasons. It last aired almost a full year ago, by the way. Life in Pieces follows the California-based Short family, including all of their husbands, wives, significant others. Each episode consists of four short segments about a particular branch of the family. Life in Pieces, get it? And though the show may have been greenlit as CBS's answer to Modern Family, it's been totally underrated on its own merit. For one thing, it has the absolute best comedy cast on CBS. Again, fight me, mom fans. Uh, the cast includes Breaking Bad's Betsy Brandt as Heather, Veep's Dan Bacadal as Heather's husband Tim, Colin Hanks as Heather's brother Greg, Zoe Lister-Jones as Greg's wife Jen, Thomas Sadowski as Matthew Short, and bonafide Hollywood legends Diane Wiest and James Brolin as Joan and John Short. So there are two episodes airing this week, uh, one at 8.30 and one at 9.30. In the first, the Short family heads to a very subpar resort in the Yucatan to celebrate Joan and John's 50th anniversary. The resort is hideous. It's got crawling with bugs, scorpions, aggressive vampire bats. And like everything with this family, the short siblings are very competitive about how miserable everyone is. Uh, they want everyone to be equally miserable. And as Heather says, the first rule of family vacation is, quote, we are supposed to suffer together. Plus, there's a running joke where a child says the word dildo. Uh, it's a delightful, silly, cynical show that re recognizes the humor and the agony of having a family. Um, Darren, you watched your first ever episode this week, right? What did you think? I did, yes. Uh, as you can, when you mentioned Life in Pieces, you might have heard me type, type, typing what is Life in Pieces on my computer. <laughs> no, I was, I was aware of the show, and it's funny you mentioning Modern Family. I had definitely given it the, like, peak TV glance 
of saying like, okay, well, that looks like something that is a ripoff of Modern Family. As usual, I was wrong. Uh, I really enjoyed this season premiere, Kristen. Um, and you were kind of talking about one thing that kind of gets at the core of what I liked about this episode is that as much as it is a sort of very, um, you know, kinetic network sitcom and, and very willfully silly, there is an appearance by Vampire Bats in the mm-hmm. first two minutes. Um, there is a sort of like darker core to it that I like, uh, which was summed up in one line that uh, Thomas Sadowski's character tells his wife, um, uh, you are so lucky that your father abandoned you and you didn't have to go on a family vacation. <laughs> like it's just, the, 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 there's just a lot of sharp lines like that that I really enjoyed. I did have some questions for you yes. um, since you were the ranking life and pieces expert. Uh, so this show each week, it is sort of split between these four family units. Yes. Um, and, and this episode specifically, they're hanging out together, but, but, but they're not always hanging out together, right? Sometimes right. they kind of split off in their own little short stories. Yeah, you know, sometimes it's uh, Tim and Heather and their kids dealing with something, or uh, you know, uh, Jen, played by Zoe Lister-Jones, she's pregnant, and so often there's one episode, the one that airs at nine thirty. There's uh, a whole story where everything that her husband uh, Greg, played by Colin Hanks, everything he does like revolts her, you know, makes her feel, uh, you know, just like she wants to vomit because she's pregnant and she's super sensitive. Like even as she puts it, his nose breath. <laughs> like, And so it's a whole like sort of building uh, conflict over essentially everything he does makes her in- crazy. And he keeps trying to bend over backwards to to uh, you know accommodate her because she's pregnant, but eventually he reaches a breaking point. So yeah, they're they're different. Um, they are often in, together in groups, and they do have you know weekly brunches and things like that where they will all be together. But it's not always uh, the whole group together, which is good because you know it's a very good cast and they're fun individually as well. Yeah, it seems like there's a lot of opportunity for taking it in a lot of different directions. Um, again, just kind of com- contrasting it with Modern Family, which has the sort of you know similar gigantic family unit split off into its different sections and each week it's kind of cutting between them um i like how in this one uh you know even just the split between different stories you know one of the stories in the premiere is a little more is a little more emotional you know you're kind of following diane weist and james brolin around and emotional is a strong word they are (laughs) you know senior citizens trying to find a place to have sex that their family won't see them so it's not but, but there's you know kind of more to that whereas then there's a fully kind of crazy sequence with Colin Hanks who's trying to find one of his kids toys in the midst of this jungle that's full of vampire bats but it seems as if it seems as if like like that kind of lends itself to a lot of different registers of comedy Kristen I'd be intrigued to know um, is there any corner of the short family any family unit that's kind of your MVPs well you know I love Dan Bacadal, who plays Heather's husband, Tim. He is so funny. Obviously, we know him from Veep, where he plays this really profane and vulgar and disgusting politician. But here on Life in Pieces, he's uh, he plays Tim, who's just kind of this buffoon. He's a doctor and he's kind of goofy and, uh, you know, not not very couth. He's very uncouth, if you will. And uh, but he's really, you know, he's a loving guy and he tries to be a good husband and a good brother and all of that. But he often falls short. And there's an episode coming up where he uh, he 
eats some food that gives him diarrhea. <laughs> and uh, he's at a magic show with his sister-in-law. And he, get, of course, gets called up on stage to help uh, with the magic trick and gets locked in a box, um, you know, where, which they're going to make him disappear or something. So he's trapped in a box on stage with diarrhea. And he's frantically texting his wife to try to help him. But there's nothing she can do. And it's so dumb. But I loved it. I was howling. So I think he really does a great job. I mean, it is a really good cast, but I he is probably my favorite. Yeah. Is, is it fair to say that um, just the sheer size of the cast kind of makes me feel like this show will have a long shelf life just because, I mean, it's the kind of thing where it doesn't feel like anyone has to kill themselves to make this show, right. um, which I mean as, as kind of a good thing. There's a really kind of relaxed air to it, and everyone is very much delivering in their own kind of corner of the show. Um, I mean, Kristen, are, are you concerned about the fact that it was off the air for a yes. year? Or, or, or is this because because in a strange way, this show actually feels like it could survive as a summer show. I'm not really sure that like there are still summer shows in the old network way of phrasing that. Right, but, but, right. but, but it feels like it, it feels oddly like it debuting now might be a good way to give it more attention. But am I am I just being very optimistic? now? Well, what's frustrating <laughs> is that, you know, it just hasn't been renewed yet. And CBS has renewed a bunch of their other shows, including new shows like The Neighborhood, uh, starring Cedric the Entertainer, which is perfectly fine. It's not a terrible show, but like... And they've renewed Mom, a they, show that you apparently hate, from what I heard. I don't hate Mom. I just, you know... <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. Just kidding. And so I'm a little concerned that a show like The Neighborhood, which gets lower total viewership than uh, Life in Pieces, has been renewed. Uh, Young Sheldon's been renewed, but they haven't renewed Life in Pieces yet, and I think it's uh, something that, uh, you know, I feel like they feel like it's something that they can kind of renew at the last minute because that's what they always do. And so it stresses me out a little bit. Um, I do think it's a good utility player for them and they will mm -hmm. probably keep it in the mix. What was that show years ago um, that CBS had and they always would trot it out? It starred Anthony... Um, the comedian uh oh and uh, mike o'malley help <laughs> what is that show? Um, you know yes, what i'm talking dear. about yes dear thank you i feel like this is a much better version of yes dear in that <laughs> it'll stay on for a long time and just plug the holes uh in cbs's schedule um only this is much much funnier than yes dear um so well, yeah, i don't know well, well, and i mean like you know if you're going to be i don't know it, it feels to me like a show that's both very low-key but also is able to to just kind of like again i was just really impressed in this episode watching how they slid in a lot of things that were just you know not even darker as so much as just weirder yes. um, you know in the premiere you kind of have the uh guest star nat faxon who i love to yes. see him in anything and he's just like his journey through the show it's it's like a little <laughs> tragedy that's happening in like you know this this one percentage corner of a very jam-packed episode yes. and i just i love that um you know the show we're going to talk about after after this is much more obviously experimental with the sitcom format, but it feels to me like from what you're kind of saying, this show can get away with a lot of that stuff while just being a really solid CBS family sitcom. Exactly. And I think a lot of it has to do with the performers too. Like uh, Zoe Lister-Jones is so funny uh, as Greg's wife, Jen. She's very, very dry and she can kind of turn any line into a joke. Uh, you know, they walk into their room at this terrible resort and uh, <laughs> the toilet is just a hole. 
and uh, and Greg, you know, trying to be upbeat. He's like, oh well, maybe you know, maybe that's a laundry chute. And and she says, yeah, maybe, but there's definitely feces in there. Like the way she says it is very sort of like everything is just tinged with a little bit of disdain and sarcasm, uh, but it's just perfect. Uh, and she, I love essentially anything that comes out of her mouth on that show. So I do. Um, I think they elevate, you know, and Betsy Brandt is really funny as well. She's somebody that, you know, I think uh, got to be sort of funny-ish on Breaking Bad or more like, I don't know. How would you describe her character? Uh, she was, so, well, there was the sort of wacky stuff early on when they went into the fact that she enjoyed stealing things. Mm-hmm. But this is definitely, I think, a little bit more of a comedy showcase for her. And Kristen, I mean, like... I find that I am very excited about seeing Colin Hanks in things now. Yeah, um, he's really good. I, I, I definitely have some sort of like residual love of him from his days as as the sort of like teen idol, the kind of Roswell yes. uh, cameo on the OC, uh, Orange County days. But I just find that, um, you know, b- between his work in Fargo a few years back and this, he's really just kind of grown into a really interesting like grown up actor too. So I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of with you. It's almost kind of like you have a show where like diane weist is on tv every week like yeah like of course you should watch that (laughs) exactly like diane weist and uh james brolin like how do you they're on tv every week like why are you why why is this not like a headline every single week it's just you know it's just crazy to think that this cast is just sort of you know i just wish that cbs gave it more uh a little more attention rather Mm -hmm. and didn't treat it so much as like Okay, fourth string. You're, you know, that stupid show that Harry Styles executive produced. You know, <laughs> that crapped out. So you're up, life in pieces. You know, it's a little, it's a little insulting for a show of this caliber. I have to say. But, uh, you know, at the same time, those are definitely like the kinds of shows that you'll kind of blink and, and they'll have been on for eight really good seasons, which is sort of what I am hoping for this show. That, or you eight know, seasons you, of Yes, Dear. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I I don't think CBS is going to stop cranking out like bad Harry Styles shows anytime soon. So there may be some sort of um, benefit to this show lingering in the sort of bottom of uh, the lineup. But I, I, I thank you for bringing it to my attention. Yeah, it's um, a really it's a good one to check in with you know because you you don't have to know it's not like you needed to know you didn't need to watch the first three seasons to enjoy the episode you watched right uh, no, uh, but it did make me want to go back and, and rewatch those seasons, which is maybe how television is, is supposed to work. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's the old-fashioned idea of you don't have to have watched 30 hours to enjoy the uh, 31st hour, which I, <laughs> I, 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 I do think this show uh, really does kind of get there. Oh, the good, good old days. Well, Life in Pieces returns Thursday, April 18th at 8.30 p.m. There's another episode at 9.30 p.m. on CBS. Check it out. It's funny. Here's another show that's funny, Kristen. Yes. Just on with the segues today. So good. Uh, uh, Hulu's new series, Rami, is another win for the streaming service after they delivered one of my favorite shows of the year, Pen15. Yes. Uh, Rami is similar but totally different, similar in the fact that it is a really adventurous and experimental half-hour sitcom. Totally different in that uh, it is a semi-autobiographical sitcom co-created by Rami Yosef. Uh, the comedian stars as Rami, a 20-something living in 
in New Jersey, trying to balance his complicated spiritual and cultural life as an American Muslim with the usual array of job, relationship, family, friends. Uh, you know, this is in some respects a show that is conventional only in the sense that, you know, we have seen a lot of shows about, you know, young, funny 20 somethings with friends who are dating, who have family issues. Um, but, you know, this is a show that is set very directly in a community that is so rarely seen on yeah. television and certainly is so rarely given the kind of showcase that Rami uh, um, represents. Um, in a sense, Kristen, everything about this show and the show's world, I just found really, really interesting. Um, you know, I am not a Muslim and I've, I've never lived in New Jersey. So there's just a real <laughs> sense of um, uh, authenticity and veracity. Um, you know, in the first episode, uh, there's a lot of stuff going on with Rami and going to the mosque and him kind of juggling that with his personal life. Um, he has kind of taken the approach of almost kind of picking and choosing what aspects of his traditional culture he honors. Um, he does have sex with women. Um, he doesn't do drugs. He doesn't drink. In the first episode, um, he has a great couple of friends who are both also played by uh, comedians who kind of warn him that, you know, th he, he's reaching the point where, uh, you know, essentially uh, all the attractive Muslim women in town are, are, are taken. And, you know, you know, if he wants to start thinking about actually settling down, he'll have to just bite the bullet and ask his mom to set him up. Um, and she does. And there's a sort of great, um, you know, first date, which is heavily prescribed in some ways. And his date brings out a cousin with her who is kind of watching them. Um, but, you know, it, all of these aspects of the show, Kristen, feel both totally unique and very universal in a way. I found that um, the main character's struggles feel extremely timely to me, um, you know, in ways that are both so specific to what he's going through and that really speak to the world that we're living in now. Um, and the show really just gets better as it goes along. The first 10 episodes, uh, the, the, the 10 episode season, um, releases in its entirety and i'd almost encourage people to skip ahead a little bit there are a couple episodes later in the season uh one that focuses on his sister one that focuses on his mom um it just feels as if this is a show that's already got a great sense of you know you, you can kind of turn to anyone yeah. on the show and they can kind of dominate an episode with a really compelling and funny and honest um story so i i, I thought this was a total knockout uh how did you feel about rami you know, I loved it. And it's funny because uh, that you say you can sort of skip ahead because I did. I sort of jumped around. I didn't start with the first episode. And uh, it was so interesting. The characters are so immediately real and fully realized that, like, I wasn't lost. You know, I started with maybe episode six or something. And I kind of could completely understand what was happening. I understood the sort of relationships and who, you know, what Rami was dealing with. He works at a startup that basically goes under immediately. <laughs> you know? And he's got, uh, I, I love the sort of friends around him where he's got some, his Muslim friends who are like, white girls suck, white girls suck. You can't take it a white girl. But then he's got other friends who are, you know, he's sort of, he's, in a way, he's a dual citizen of the world in that he's yeah. an American in a Muslim society and a Muslim in American society. And uh, it, I really, I just loved, he's so uh, charming. I knew nothing about him. And it really does make such a difference when a show has a clear and defined point of view. Um, and usually the shows that do this the best are the ones that are sort of uh, 
they have star creators, you know, whether it's 30 Rock with Tina Fey or Better Things with Pamela Adlon. Like the show, no, it comes out of the, the shell. It comes out of the egg, like fully formed. And that's really how I felt about this show. It's presenting this perspective that is totally new, but it's also very open-minded itself. Like there's one episode where he, he does drugs for the first time. Yeah. And, um, and then he feels bad about it. And so when he goes to the mosque to pray, he sort of, uh, he's, sort of counseled by another Muslim there and he gets some great guidance from another Muslim there, but it's a chubby white guy who happens to be a Muslim. It's like, it's like a chubby white Jersey bro who is incredible. And really, I mean, yeah, that scene that you're talking about gets at something else that I really enjoy about the show. Um, You know, there are these moments that are, you know, very funny. And again, there's, there's good bits that kind of do the straightforward work of being a 20 something sitcom or of being a family sitcom. And all Already, you know, doing both those things at once is really impressive. But you know, this show is kind of about a spiritual journey, um, and it's about a spiritual journey by someone who, as you really perfectly put it, Kristen, um, you know, he, he's a part of two cultures. He feels like he doesn't quite belong in either culture. Um, there's a part of him that feels really drawn to his Egyptian heritage. Um, there's a constant suspicion that he might not actually understand his Egyptian heritage. <laughs> uh, you know, you, you know, all, all that much. Um, there's a part of him that feels, you know, really drawn on to, uh, you know, to rededicating himself to Islam. And, you know, that scene in particular, you know, this show does kind of believe in the possibility of, you know, you can go to a mosque, you can go to a spiritual center and actually experience something profound. Um, but it just, yeah, you know, it, what you're saying about just the confidence of the show, um, you know, it is executive produced by Jared Carmichael. And I, I think that, like, some residue of Jared Carmichael's show from a couple of years ago, you can maybe track it in here, but the creators are uh, uh, Rami Youssef, uh, Ari Catcher, Ryan Welch. Um, they're uh, not to say that they're newcomers. They've been doing their work for a while. They're they're all newcomers to me. Yeah, and, and yeah, like you know, in much the same way as with Pen Fifteen, you had uh, Anna Conkle and, and Maya Erskine, who just really seemed to come right out the gate with a really fantastic sensibility. Um, just, just something very similar is happening is, is happening here. I, I, I think, which again, I'm just you know, this is really good on Hulu. Frankly, um, yeah. Hulu is definitely. I think it's a service that is beginning to maybe have some struggles as we get closer and closer into the big money Jeff Bezos just bought Lord of the Rings uh, era of television. (laughs) And I I just think that, you know, there's such a authenticity to this show. And um, Kristen, we haven't even talked about episode four. I I mean, mean, episode four is, I I really just want everyone to skip to it and I don't want to spoil it too much. Um, But it is essentially a a, a flashback episode. It is kind of following uh, young Rami um, and what happens in that episode is really kind of fascinating and almost kind of novelistic in, in the best sense, the way it kind of cuts between his personal, <laughs> extremely kind of hilarious and heartfelt and, you know, kind of gross as all teen things are inevitably gross coming of age story um, with what was happening in, in the world while he was that age. It's just really remarkable, I think. Everyone, just watch episode four of Rami because we because we're going to talk about it, right? We, 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 <laughs> We, we won't get too deep, but it's just it flashes back to when he's 
12 and that's he was 12 years old when 9-11 happened and you know you and I Darren have talked about my like distaste and your distaste for just random 9-11 plot lines like oh hey 9-11 we need a big emotional moment but this makes sense because he was a 12 year old Egyptian boy living in suburban New Jersey when 9-11 happened you know and he's part of a Muslim family and that was something that like really affects you know how he sees himself how his friends see him and it's intertwined with this storyline about masturbation <laughs> and it's it sounds crazy but it totally works <laughs> it's it is it is such a big swing i mean it's such a big swing where it, it just takes this incredible left turn from being a you know almost american pie-ish story about a teen who is uh, you know <laughs> attempting to masturbate into being about 9-11 but still not losing that original thing and then you get to the dream sequence um <laughs> and it just you know there's it it, it is taking so many big swings it's actually um a, it's another great showcase for um the actor who plays young rami whose name i believe is alicia hennig um he's been in weirdly a lot of things people would know him from uh, american vandal he was in the second season of the sinner um and he's just like really really good yeah, in, in the episode um but i guess that's kind of an example of just why i like the show so much Kristen. it, it is taking those swings i the, the one quibble i had with the show and i'd love to get your kind of opinion on this is this is kind of the first time that I felt like we're maybe getting to the point where there is a bit of a formula with like the half hour meandering dramedy, um, you know, a, a, a vaguely defined subgenre into which I would throw, you know, Louis Better Things, Atlanta Girls. Um, you know, there are a couple episodes that just directly recall those other shows. The idea of a flashback episode what already happened in Atlanta and Louis. Um, and there are, there are a few bits and pieces where I, I almost feel like the show was kind of flipping a switch for like, now we have to be emotional. But, yeah. but, it, it, yeah. but that's, but, but again, if that's kind of the growing pains that's going through in season one, those, those are, that's, those are okay growing pains to be kind of comparing yourself to. I think it does so much that is unusual and new that I don't mind that like there is the one episode with his uncle who, is this anti-Semitic guy who they get into a whole conversation about the death of Princess Diana. It's like, I shouldn't be laughing, but it was really funny. But anyway, it does have this ending that it was, you know, it was like, okay, and now we're going to go to the emotional ending. And, you know, fine. It's, it didn't, it, it still felt earned, but I do see what you're saying. There is this sort of auteur, uh, comedy drama thing happening where, you know, you always feel like there's the writer uh, or a creator behind the scenes saying, but now I'm going to tell you what it means. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly right. But 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 I will say that feeling for me kind of lessened over the course yeah. of the show and the episode later in the season that focuses on his mom. Oh, um, so good. Yeah, she's really wonderful. She's played by the actress. I believe her, her, her name is uh, Hayam Abbas, uh, and people will recall her as uh, the current stepmother on Secession. Oh, um, that episode, I mean, it's, it's broadly about the fact that, like, she starts driving Lyft and what the show does with that it's just it's a real journey it's such a wonderful kind of you know full epic story in 25 minutes or less yeah. um, and for me that was kind of the killer app moment of like yeah like Rami is really able to do just any kind of compelling story with these characters yeah. which I think is just uh, really 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 great and I really do hope that that people um, check it out I am excited to go back and watch the ones I didn't watch I mean like just yesterday I watched the first episode and and, you know, it didn't even feel 
feel almost like a pilot. You know what I mean? It just, uh, they all feel uh, sort of fully formed. And so I'm, I'm, I've got maybe four or five left that I haven't watched, but I do think, I mean, it's certainly, Hulu is definitely on a roll in terms of these half hour shows that they've been, uh, they've been sending out into the universe. And, and, and exciting. Uh, we were sort of slacking about this. In the first episode, there's a brief guest appearance by Anna Kunkel, who is one of the co-creators and stars of Pen15. It's totally and, a crossover. And I hadn't even really thought about this, Kristen, but is it possible that she's playing the grown-up version of her character from Pen15? We have to pursue this. Yeah, we have to you look know into what? This. That is, that, that's a Reddit thread waiting to happen. <laughs> this would fall into a segment that Kristen likes to call Oi with the universes already. <laughs> um, speaking of universes, Kristen, uh, Rami is debuting on April 19th, all 10 episodes. Definitely check him out. But I want to talk a little bit uh, about what success means on television today and what it will mean in the future uh, in a segment that we call TV Talk, where we talk about TV. Kristen Baldwin, you know an awful lot about television. <laughs> yes. The, the the things you know about television could fill the Library of Alexandria. Um, so I got I I, I want to talk about some stuff that's been happening recently. Yes. Walking Dead, Game of Thrones. These are two of the defining phenomena of the past decade. We've talked about them a lot already on this show, uh, Game of Thrones. By the way, if you want to hear me talk about it some more with someone who knows about it way more than I do, check out the new episode of EW's Game of Thrones Weekly. Uh, Game of Thrones is starting its last season. Um, it is going to have a prequel series that HBO uh, is currently hard at work on. Meanwhile, The Walking Dead just ended its uh, 110th season. Um, news came out last week that AMC is going to greenlight a spinoff of The Walking Dead to go along with the spinoff of The Walking Dead they already have, Fear the Walking Dead, coming out in June for its fifth season. Not to mention Talking Dead um, and possibly some other piece of Dead-related content that I've forgotten about. Oh, 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 there was the, the, there was the commercial. There was the commercial. There was, there was the Fear the the Walking Dead spinoff that was all about uh, the airplane. Um, so, Kristen, I, I, I don't pretend to know how things get successful in television today. And one of the things that I find interesting about Thrones and Walking Dead is that on paper, you know, neither of them, when they were greenlit, would have looked like they were going to become gigantic hits. I, I sort of think that, you know, Walking Dead was this kind of, you know, very cultishly adored comic book. It was going to be on AMC, which at that time was still a kind of critically adored network, more so than a commercial success. Right. Uh, Game of Thrones, when it came out, uh, the, the book series was fabulously beloved and best selling in, in, in the realm of kind of fantasy fiction. But, you know, f I think fair to say that R-rated fantasy in a long-form, serialized format was not something that television had necessarily figured out yet. So now we're getting to this point. These two networks are kind of each trying to figure out how do we keep this buzz going. Um, and what I think is interesting is that they, they really are taking totally different approaches here. Um, you know, Game of Thrones, it's ending this season. It is, you know, essentially six episodes. Um, these are the first 
six episodes the show has had in almost two years. Um, it's unclear when the prequel will come out, but it's fair to say that, you know, it's not going to happen tomorrow. They're still kind of very much in the development and pre-production <laughs> stages on that. Um, so uh, HBO seems to be kind of practicing the model of, you know, we have this golden goose. We don't want to keep throwing eggs at people. That's not a good model, but you get what I'm saying. Um, right. Walking Dead Fair to say, doing the exact opposite. Uh, you know, you have a season of the main show that just ended, um, which ratings were down for. Although you know, you can kind of look at the metrics in a couple different ways and say that maybe that maybe the show has kind of found just its new cruise altitude after kind of coming down from the very high ratings of a few years ago. Um, there is Fear the Walking Dead. Uh, they are now greenlighting a new show, uh, which is going to be broadly about uh, two young female protagonists. Uh, they said it's about the first generation to come of age in the apocalypse um and i, I and guess don't I'm forget the movies what's that the movies good god yeah there we go the movies oh god yeah like like rick grimes who definitely should have died is going to get three movies three movies and where he's just like off by himself doing stuff <laughs> What if what if those movies aren't even about zombies? What if they're just about like you know Rick Grimes is hanging out and having uh, various adventures with his family? Oh um, my god! What if it was just like all the stuff that you never see them do, like laundry? <laughs> the Walking Dead does laundry. That's, I, I mean, I, I guess I'm just wondering broadly. Do you think either of these is going to be is a good move? Does one sort of feel as if it is more attuned to how people enjoy their television now than the other? <laughs> I mean, I really I don't uh, think that either of these things should be trying to, you know, get more blood from a stone. But I, if you are going to take that approach, I think the HBO Game of Thrones approach is much, much smarter in that they've announced one thing. Uh, it'll be a prequel. And and, you know, that's it. And, you know, sure, fine. I get it. Like, it's a huge show for them. But they also have other things they're trying to launch. And they also have other, you know, they're not staking their whole business on it. Whereas, didn't you say that AMC has like a chief content officer assigned yes, to, yes. to Walking Dead now? Yeah, the, the, the Walking Dead is now uh, such an oi with the universe is already situation that yes, uh, Scott Gimple, who was the showrunner of the show uh, during um, it, it, it's kind of most recent seasons uh, uh, up until this last one, he is now the chief content officer of all Walking Dead related multimedia experiences. Um, which in this case apparently means developing this sort of new uh, spinoff. And it's just, it's, it's, it's interesting to me. I mean, it's very much an example to kind of marvelify it. Um, but, yeah. you know, ju just to kind of contrast it with HBO, they had kind of developed four separate prequels for Game of Thrones in what seemed like almost kind of a bake-off model. Um, they kind of went with this one, which is meant to be a prequel set many thousands of years earlier, and Naomi Watts is in it to so in, in some respect. Um, which just, I mean, I, I think that has its own pitfalls, maybe. Um, I sort of feel like with Game Game of Thrones, it's important to not underrate the fact that I think audiences feel incredibly tied in with the actors and the characters right. on this show. <laughs> you know, like, right. I think I, I think that's gonna be like a bigger part of the fandom than HBO might realize. Um, but to your point, 
it seems to make a little more sense to kind of present it as a a luxury item let's say where you know you're 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 getting only a few and you're getting it once every two years but when you get it you look forward to it as opposed to i mean if there's three walking dead shows at what point does it reach 52 week a year capacity yeah it's just sort of a carpet bombing approach and it just seems like you know if you have a chief content officer for this, why don't you just have a chief content officer that comes up with new shows? Like, mm-hmm. why why don't you just have content that is good as opposed to trying to, it's, you know, it's going to be diminishing returns. What about the re- reaction and sort of the journey of Fear the Walking Dead has not made that clear to them? You know, they started as this other thing and then it became The Walking Dead, essentially. Mm-hmm. And now these these films, you know, it it doesn't make sense. Like he didn't the bridge blow up? Like why is what is happening? Kristen, Kristen then- <laughs> no, no. We went over this. We went over this. The bridge blew up, and somehow the explosion drew him forward into the water, and then the water carried him down to yes, safety to where he's going to do his laundry. But you know, the other thing with AMC is like I I do think that they are you know pouring all these resources into this one thing at the expense of you know, looking for new properties. For example, you know, they are now airing Killing Eve on AMC and BBC America. They're the same company. And that says to me, like, hey, maybe this Killing Eve thing is going to work and we need we need to get, get on that train. And, you know, if you're if you're in that point of your network's life, you need to start looking for other future franchises that don't involve zombies. And I just, I don't understand it. I I don't think it's going to end well for them. Um, Of course, it just takes one hit, you know, and any of these could be a hit. But I just think, why aren't they focusing on just finding the next great show yeah and the one thing i will say is i mean you know amc just recently has i I think it's done the work of you know at least justifying the the carpet bombing of deadness with you know shows like lodge 49 or the terror or even like even like diet land which like i just feel like even if none of those shows were always totally successful uh, p.s lodge 49 was always totally successful (laughs) they definitely sort of felt to me like that was a network saying okay we have this big thing let's do this other stuff which i like at the same time i just yeah the the, i i worry about getting to the 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 second spinoff moment it that's kind of a rubicon isn't it like that's kind of when you're saying like okay you know we had one era when we felt like we could green light a spinoff to this thing and that has kind of had its own life and as you pointed out fear the walking dead which is at various points kind of shown flashes of being different from the original it now just feels like the original it looks like the original and the star has kind of you know one of the stars has crossed over so i guess it's just it's just strange but i i will say as kind of a counterbalance to this the one thing that i like about the announcement is that like i, I like that it is a sequel spinoff um you know like fear the walking dead was kind of pitched as being like it's a prequel about the beginning of the zombie apocalypse and it was just kind of like yeah well we know what happened the zombies killed everybody and you'll get to a point where right. the original show and that's that's kind of like my one big fear with the thrones prequel is like you know <laughs> prequels are just are just generally not good and even the ones that are good have prequel problems right like, I, I would say gus fring being a prime example uh. on on, on 
on Better Call Saul recently. Or Mike being like a hundred times older than he <laughs> actually was on the Bra- on Breaking Bad, which like I get it. You you yeah. can't turn back time. It's fine. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and even even n- never entirely knowing how old Jimmy is supposed to be on uh, Better Call Saul, uh, much as I do love the the uh, performance by Bob Odenkirk. But that's that's a concern more on a kind of like you know artistic narrative level. Like you know, do they do we kind of see the Game of Thrones prequel and it's meant to be set thousands of years earlier, but it doesn't feel like it's that much earlier. You know, these are all kind of like, you know, concerns that, that come up when the show actually uh, debuts. But there is, so I guess there's benefits to both models, but I guess I kind of agree with you that, that neither model seems like it is great. <laughs> well, remember, I mean, when The Sopranos was going off the air, everyone was like, well, what's HBO going to do now? You know, The Sopranos was their huge hit and what are they going to do? Did they do like... 50, you know, young Tony and uh, like uh, Meadows World and whatever. No, they didn't. They <laughs> what they did instead was they just looked for good shows and eventually they found Game of Thrones. So like, what they did instead, Kristen, was John from Cincinnati, right. which launched a hey. new era in television. But they, um, they were trying. Right. And they yeah. weren't they weren't going down the let's do 100 more mob uh, series because that's what our audience seems to like. And eventually they found their next meal ticket. And so I wish AMC would, uh, would just, you know, take a step back. I mean, it's now it's too, you know, it's too late. They've, they've got, they've, they've, they're all in on this yeah. zombie train and they've got to see it through to the end. But, uh, I do think that it's, uh, it's just going to produce, you know, fewer and fewer good returns. Yeah. For me, it does always kind of come back to, and I know that I, I've talked to you about this a lot as just sort of like a thing I always think about with success in television, but it all goes back to NBC in the early 2000s with Friends, where it was kind of just like, yeah. we have this thing, it's hugely popular. It, it's so popular that, you know, 19 years from now when television is totally different and there's this thing called the internet and all that, like Friends will somehow still be popular at that point. W- what do we do to build off of it and just everything NBC did failed and you know they kept on throwing money at it and they spun it off into Joey and just I I find that to be uh, you know somewhat of a you know both obviously everyone would love to be NBC in 2003 but nobody wants to be NBC in 2005 and so I I just kind of I I, I worry about shows that are investing so much into a single franchise Uh, but Kristen you have heard about the fact that there is in fact going to be the young Tony prequel now right well that's different that's a movie (laughs) that's a movie that's a movie (laughs) that's a movie and it's David Chase and it's many years later I'm talking about like you know at the time they didn't create a chief content officer to, you know, uh, spew out uh, mafia content about, you know, like maybe there would be an office sitcom, Waste Management, you know, or whatever. Oh, my God. Or, <laughs> or, or, or there could have been a whole show about Little Carmine running uh, his, like, uh, what, what was he in by the end? Well, you know, he was in the film business ultimately, yes. right? <laughs> we, we, they could have done a behind the scenes. Well, I guess they did kind of do that. But what was that movie? Cleaver? Was that Cleaver! Oh my God, Cleaver, like real, starring one of the Baldwins. Like a Which fake, Baldwin was it? Oh, a Baldwin, who knows? Like a fake <laughs> reality show about the making of Cleaver. Like, come on, there's so much they could have done, but they didn't because they knew better. 
You're so right, though, that like when HBO did the sort of like half hour mockumentary about the making of Cleaver, a fake horror movie from the world of Sopranos, like that that was a gag. Yeah. And it, it's interesting that like we're now at the point where if that happened today, you know, that would almost be like, oh, can we can we pitch this as a like six episode limited yes. tie in series? Yes. And yeah, I, I, I worry about, you know, as far as, you know, th- there are good and bad things about having a thousand TV shows. But when, you know, several hundred of those shows are set in the same universe, that gets a little enervating, I think. It's very, very tiring. And, you know, maybe we just need to have a separate sub-segment called Oi with the Zombies already. <laughs> 52 solid weeks of zombie mayhem <laughs> on AMC. Listen, if, if it gets us Lodge 49 season three, then I guess I, 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 I kind of have to be on board. <laughs> But Kristen, uh, this is a conversation that like I really do want to hear what people think about this. I know that like there are probably some listeners who are kind of like, what are you talking about? I love my Walking Dead and Game of Thrones and I want infinite more of it. Um, and I, you know that that's an opinion that one could have I, I, and I'd love to hear about that. I suspect there are people who feel differently. Um, you can always contact me and Kristen on Twitter. She's at Kristen G. Baldwin. I'm at Darren Franich. Hey, uh, while you're doing stuff that involves your phone or your computer or wherever you use Twitter, uh, give us a rating give us a review go to Apple Podcasts you can find this podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and we love to hear from you we're both critics we write reviews all day leave us a review even if it's negative we'll accept it we might cry about it but that's okay we'll be back next week I should have a catchphrase but I don't so bye bye <laughs> <laughs>